0: All right, everyone. Welcome to Magnifying God. I'm your host, Adam Michael, and we've got an exciting journey that we're going down. Uh, We are going to be doing a series here uh, based off a book. It's actually going to be based off of uh, two books right now. Um, uh, The first book, though, uh, was written probably around 2016, and that book is called Preparing the Saints, and it's actually a workbook that uh, Debbie Simpson and I had written, and. uh, also, though it's just uh, one part, this the book that we that we had written is only one part of a, a bigger book which is called uh, Prepare to Overcome. And uh, I know Debbie Simpson's uh, here with us, and she is going to be talking about a little bit about preparing to uh, overcome, and uh, and then we're going to be diving right into Chapter One uh, called Rebuilding the Walls in the Preparing the Saints Workbook, and it's also in Prepare to Overcome. Uh, how's everything going uh, today, uh, Debbie?
1: It's going very well, Adam. Thank you so much. And thank you once again for the privilege of being uh, on this podcast and being able to share with anyone who is interested what God is revealing to his people in these last days.
0: And uh, I know I mentioned the uh, the book here, uh, Prepare to Overcome. Uh, do you want to uh, uh, talk about it? Um, I know it's got three, uh, four sections here. It's, uh, the first section is Equipping the Saints, um, which relates to the, the book that we made um, called Preparing the Saints. And uh, we've got uh, part two, The Royal Priesthood. We've got part three, Malachi. And part four, The Zadok Priesthood. Um, and do uh, we want to just talk about uh, how it all uh, came about?
1: Sure. Thank you for that. And I'd like to clarify any confusion. Anyone who has purchased the book would note that the author is Christos Perikitos. And that is the true author of the book. I merely penned it. As God had pulled me into the Oracle, the place of intimacy a year ago, February, actually, we're going more on 18 months, I guess he made it very clear to me that his call to his people this day was a call to intimacy, time alone with him. And uh, as we was in scripture, he called us to the oracle and he said, you know, his people, I only want you to speak what you hear the Lord speaking. And I only want you to do what you hear the Lord doing. Well, what the Lord is speaking um, is is going to be revealed in that oracle. And uh, talks about, again, in Scripture, that um, if any man speak in this day, let him speak as an oracle of God. And I went to the Lord, I said, how do I do that? How do I speak as an oracle of you? That began the journey. And that piece by piece, God began to show me that the oracle, as you go through the book, the different sections, they were just different pieces of what God was revealing about the oracle. And the oracle in the Old Testament was its first use, and it was actually the most holy place. And when Solomon built the temple, he built it with the outer courts, the nave or the holy place, and the oracle, the most holy place. So as you read through the book, that's what it's really all about, that any man who speaks is saved, let him speak as an oracle of God. And all those sections give... Instruction on how that can be developed in the lives of a believer through intimacy. Christos Paracletos, I went to the Lord and I said, I cannot put my name on this book. I couldn't even begin. If, if you read even the language of the book, I don't even talk like that really. And um, the information that was, it wasn't just the information that the scriptures were giving, it was how it was worded to create a expanded understanding of how this is to be implemented in the lives of the believer. And the, as I was going through this and reading it, I would ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? And Adam, sometimes information came so fast that I couldn't write fast enough. And when I went to type up the the book, it was initially, it was my own Bible study. I, I never thought I'd put this in a book. This is just God, show me what I need to know today. And I never intended this to become a book. But um, God brought that to my attention later. But oftentimes, I was writing so fast that when it came time to type it up, I couldn't even read my own writing. I was like, Holy Spirit, what were you saying here? I can't even read this. And he would have to reiterate. So for me to put my name and, as an author, that would be uh, doing a disservice to the Lord. He himself authored this book. And that being said, I want to qualify that. As you read the book, it is nothing more than Bible verses. It's just scripture verses, and it's words. The words are bold-faced, the definitions are italics, and it's nothing more than rephrasing the word with its definition and what does this mean for a believer. That coupled with the verb tense, the verb tense very often is the game changer. And it's not something that's readily picked up as we um, Westerners in the 20th century read the words today. So what is this book about? It's about overcoming. Why? Because we live in deceit. The Laodicean church bears witness to this in the book of Revelation. It is the last days church. We are in the last days. And it describes the last days church. This is not something that is someone else. This is us. This is today. This is the church we were born in. If you read the book of, um, of uh, um, oh, I'm trying to think here. Oh, let me see here. Hosea, then, and Haggai. Read the books of Haggai and Ezra Ezra, with the rebuilding of the temple. It talks about, with the rebuilding of the temple, Zerubbabel, and how Zerubbabel was involved with that. Zerubbabel means one who comes out of Babel. And the Laodicean church, so you got an Old Testament physical picture of the New Testament spiritual truth. The New Testament believer today is the Laodicean church. The Laodicean church is the church today. that We were born in Babel. We were born in a corrupted understanding, just like the Jews that got deported and Rubabel was born in Babylon after the Jews were deported. So everything he knew, everything he understood, he cut his teeth on a corrupted understanding and his name, Zerubbabel, means one who comes out of Babel. He had to come out of that corrupted understanding that he had been born into, that he believed is truth. The Laodicean church are, are the believers today. The believers today that were born into a church that, though well-meaning and genuine and loving Jesus, still became corrupted in their understanding, as will be evidenced by the scriptures that we use in their definitions. So the believer now today, as we discussed before, they live in defeat because they were born in Babel, the last days lay at the church, and the call to God is Zerubbabel. This this book is for the Zerubbabel, those who will come out of Babel. And Zerubbabel's story is a story of victory, a story of one who came out of a defeated place and secured the victory. He came out of Babel. What I'd like to comment on, as we go through an understanding of how this book was birthed, the reason the book only uses the original word Hebrew or Greek, Hebrew Old Testament, Greek New Testament, is the um, is um, the definitions of these words. The definitions that are used are definitions from a pre nineteen hundred dictionary, because the definitions are those that were understood and in place by even first century, second century fathers of the faith who knew and understood the truths that were being espoused, even by the first generation believers who had actually spoken with the apostles, with disciples and their understanding. It is Those, not those understandings that were espoused by people who are coming up with their ideas after cessationism and dispensationalism belief systems were instituted in a church. So in addition to that, we see that a lot of these footnotes in our scriptures were written by, you know, the men who, who penned them. And my question to the readers, as to myself, was: If you're looking at scriptures such as Daniel 9:24, 12:4, Revelation 10:4, 22:10, all of which say "seal up the words of the book," seal up the words of the book until the the time of the end. If I'm reading a footnote written by someone who made this observation or established this doctrine 100 years ago, before the books were opened. How much of my understanding should I allow to be placed on that? That was my question to myself. So I pose it to the reader. We are in the last days. The books are just now being opened. As the books are just now being opened, then are we to be getting our information from people who are giving us their theologies and doctrines before the books were opened? how, How accurate was their understanding? So basically... As you go through the old testament, you'll see the um, word in that day, the day of the Lord, the time of the end, in you know, many of the books of the Old Testament, and you know, look at Isaiah and Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Zephaniah, Zechariah. In that day, as you begin to study that, you recognize that this is not your daddy's oldsmobile. This is not the last 2,000 years of Christian history. Not that it is no longer applicable, but there are new ways that God is calling his people to operate in that day. And it bears looking into and it bears understanding. It's a game changer. So that being said, that is a lot of what went into what God was showing me, revealing to me in the oracle, which birthed a lot of the information to be found in this book. That's all I wanted to say. I know that was a long, drawn-out, but for people who are reading that book, I want you to understand the foundation upon which it was built and that the author indeed was the anointed who summoned to his side and that it was penned in a manner that would, to the best of my ability, preclude any corruption from man's understanding of God's word, based solely on God's understanding of God's word.
0: No, that that's uh, that's really good. Um, everything that you explained, too. You know, even even so, it's like I know a lot of people when they think of end times, they they're trying to put all the pieces together and something like that. But you know. But then you've got even something in Revelation that says, you know, about the seven thunders. You know, it's just like, oh, and by the way, that wasn't, John was told not to write what the seven thunders were. So it's like, so there's things out there that we actually don't know that are actually being revealed during the time when they need to be revealed. Um, and it's it's no way of, of adding to scripture whatsoever. It's more of just clarifying what's, what's been written and illuminating our eyes to what's going on right now um, for, for this time. And uh, yeah, you said some really great points there. And uh, that is all in in your book, uh, Prepare to Overcome. And that is just section one of what we already already wrote in a workbook called uh, Preparing the Saints. And uh, that's what we're going to get into right now, which is Preparing the Saints, which is literally a workbook of the first section of Prepare to Overcome. And uh, I know we've been discussing about having multiple workbooks, you know, specifically for, you know, uh, section two, which is the royal priesthood, and then part three, which is uh, Malachi, and then uh, part four, which is the Zadok priesthood, all are, we're really thinking about putting out three more workbooks that go- correspond to prepare to overcome, just to give, um, just to prepare people, is to prepare people for um, what, what is coming, or what's to come, and specifically what's happening right now in their lives, and how they can see victory in their lives right now, um, because that's what uh, we're looking at. Because I know that Christianity is almost a powerless Christianity, and uh, and that's the opposite of how how it started. You know, with the with the power of the Holy Spirit Spirit coming down uh, upon the disciples, and they were to not only baptize people in the Holy Spirit with the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, but also to train them up in righteousness, to train them up in the right way of thinking. Uh, and to bring justice upon this earth as it is in heaven. And, and these are some of the things that uh, is so, are so important. And I know we have chapter one right here. We have chapter one of uh, Preparing the Saints, and it talks about rebuilding uh, the walls. And even you, you look at the first picture of, of this workbook, um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at a, what looks to be uh, the Word of God uh, in almost like a castle-type format. And I've got, you know the dark uh, ponds uh, on the bottom, and you've got the ones that are are, are clothed in white, uh, so to speak. Those are the white pawns up above. And, and when you're even looking at this this picture, uh, you're seeing how they are protected from the enemy by the word of God. And that's really what the rebuilding of the walls this this first uh, chapter is is all about. Uh, and this is also in the first section of Prepare to Overcome. And um, and honestly, this starts off in in Nehemiah you know, and, and Nehemiah, and what uh, Nehemiah has done um, as he is repairing the walls uh, of uh, of Jerusalem. So uh, specifically, uh, Debbie, you know, we're, we're looking through this first chapter, um, we're talking about Nehemiah, like, what stands out, uh, Nehemiah, what has he done, and why is he in this uh, section of the book?
1: Well, thank you, yes, we'll go into that, and it is because it is the foundation upon which everything else is built. It's also the, the building blocks as far as, like, you think of math, you're learning to count before you learn that 1 plus 1 is 2. You had to learn to count to 10. This is the root that is going to grow up into the understanding that is going to help us to walk, say, as the royal priesthood, to walk as the Zadok priesthood. And so to understand everything that's in this section one, it's going to be woven into our identity in Christ that's going to cause us to understand and recognize why we can be the royal priesthood and why we have to be the royal priesthood, and why, if we're not the royal priesthood, we're walking in a manner that I don't want to say is displeasing to God, but it is disappointing because we are not accomplishing to the fullness what He needs us to accomplish for Him. So, that is the importance of understanding this. So Nehemiah, again, is a physical picture of the spiritual truth. And basically what we're seeing is that as Nehemiah goes back, the call to Nehemiah is the call to rebuild the wall. So the first thing we learn, if this is a physical picture of our spiritual truth, the first thing that we need to learn is that our walls look like this. And we would need to recognize the, the deceit the distress, the injury, the misery, the reproach, the dishonor, contempt, scorn that is characterizing the people of Jerusalem at this time can equally be applied to our lives in the spiritual sense today. We understand from the book of Nehemiah that the walls are broken down and that it's not because of the Babylonian forces. God makes it clear. That the walls are broken down because the people did not keep the word of God. So, what I would like to spend a little bit of time investigating and digging into is this word keep. It is pivotal, it is foundational, and it's transforming. And I don't know anybody who understands the significance. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, that we are to keep the commands, the judgments, the statutes of God. And that word keep means we are to guard, to preserve, to watch carefully, to be careful to do. I mean, it it goes on and on. To hedge about as with thorns. And Jesus, as a pattern son, did that. He hedged about his mind with thorns. He kept his mind with thorns. We are to hedge about as with thorns. The word of God in our lives. If we don't know what the covenant of God entails, we cannot keep it. And this is all discovered as we go through this book exactly what does the word of God, what does this covenant entail, so that we can now carefully watch over it, we can guard it, we can preserve it, all of these things, because it's in doing that that the walls will be rebuilt. What is our confirmation on the strength of two witnesses? The thing was confirmed in the word of God. He makes that clear. Well, The confirmation with regards to this is that um, in Isaiah it's made clear that the walls have been broken down and um, that the question is who's going to rebuild the walls. It says in Isaiah 58.12, and those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called a repair of the breach and a restore of the street. So we see here that the age-old foundations have become ancient ruins. What's the most ancient thing? The Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. It's been broken down. So that's what that's foundational. What's the word of God? Well, how come it's broken down? Because it's not being kept, preserved, guarded, carefully watched over. So as a result of that, our walls are broken. And as you go through the first lesson, it gives examples of how this is being played out in, the, in our lives. That as a result, of broken down walls. The enemy has come in. And that is the lesson that we're learning in Nehemiah. As you go through the the book of Nehemiah, and it talks about the walls, rebuilding the walls, rebuilding the walls. We're get further in the scripture. It's going to start talking about when we get into the royal priesthood and different things rebuilding the temple. Our bodies are the temple. But before they could rebuild the temple, they had to secure the borders. That's why this has to come first. We have got to secure our borders. We've got to to look at what's going on in our lives so that our lives can be built back up so that all those who come under our care, our spouses, our children, our siblings, our family, whatever is within our domain, which God has given us authority over our domain, Genesis chapter 2, then we can rebuild the walls, which is the word of God, that's what the book of Nehemiah is describing for the believer, so that our domain can now be freed and we can rest, so to speak, from the depression, from the anxiety, from the relational strife, from the financial insufficiency, all these things that are the result of broken down walls, which you would see in the Deuteronomy scriptures in this chapter, this is the spiritual reality of believers today. But when we can be done fighting these things, now we're freed up to begin to rebuild the temple. That's us. So that's why this is foundational. We'll get into rebuilding the temple further on in the study, but that's why this is foundational for us today. So... um no, that's—honestly, anyway, no, no, ahead.
0: everything that you, you said is, is so good, and, and I know there's a lot of Christians out there, even like myself, when I was struggling with a lot of things, um, I wasn't—I didn't have my walls up. You know, I didn't have—I wasn't—not um, not only did I not know the Word of God, um, but I, I wasn't actually—even if I did know it, I was being disobedient to it, and that disobedience is, is what takes the walls down. And so let's say the enemy, and you just think of it, it's a, it, the enemy now comes into my life and starts wreaking havoc. And I'm always asking the question, well, wait, why is this going on? Well, why is this going on? Why can't this work out? Why can't that work out? Or even why aren't my prayers being answered? I don't understand because what God's word says uh, regarding prayers is, is if I ask in faith, I'll have it. And it's uh, like, well, there's reasons why. It's you're being disobedient in other portions of your life. Your walls aren't up. The enemy's ransacking you. And it's trying to get you to think like the enemy, act like the enemy, and be disobedient to God. But when those walls come up, now all of a sudden, when that thought comes to your gates or to the wall itself, it gets hit by the Word of God, and now, all of a sudden, you're you're looking at this battle that's going on. And it's all it's in the mind, uh, and it's uh, this is the only thing that Satan can really do is attack your mind and put up these strongholds in your life. And those strongholds get torn down by the word of God. So not only are you rebuilding the walls, you're also taking out anything that's inside those walls out. And you're kicking all those things out. Um, And that just deals with kind of the renewal of the mind so that we will know the will of God, so that we'll be able to fulfill this will that he has for us uh, as it is in heaven. So this on earth as it is in heaven. And it's really important you know, and, and that's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah was the rebuilder of the walls. And if you think about it, too, what is the the wall, you know, and, and what is the Word? So you think, well, the Word became flesh. That's Jesus. And what what are we called to do? We're called to stay in Him, stay inside the wall, stay inside the Word of God. And in that place is protection. It's just the, the, the problem, though, I see a lot of Christians, including myself, like when, when I was walking in disobedience, is... I'm out I, I'm walking outside the walls. Well, that's where the enemy is. and now now I'm getting hit left and right, and that's where the, the 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 problem is. And then then I come like crawling back to him and being like, well, why did this happen? He's like, you left, you left the kingdom, and you started thinking mm. like the other kingdom. You, you know, you you left my presence, you left the very word of God, you left your protection. you know, it's just like and, and it's he if he is our shield, he is he's got his pinions. Over us, protecting us, and I go outside that, I'm going to get hit. And on top of that, if there's an area of my life that's not um, walking uh, according to what God's word says, that's the walls down. So then the enemy comes right in and ransacks us, and um, mm-hmm. and that's and that's really that's it's really unfortunate, you know. And then there's things that let's say everything's great, uh, your your walls are rebuilt. But let's say you start letting things into your life that shouldn't be. You're literally letting in the Trojan horse into your camp, and then you're going to get eaten up from the inside out. And then you're going to be turning to God and be like, well, why didn't this happen? It's like, well, you didn't know. First off, you didn't know me. Because if you knew me, you wouldn't have had that happen. And that's what it is. It's about not It's not only knowing. Uh, it's the, I, I like to say it's not about knowing the Word of God. It's about knowing the God of the Word. Everything goes points back to that intimacy factor. Um, and you know we're to be like Him, we're to become Him and grow up into Him, that means we need to be spending time with Him, time in His Word, so that we'll be seeing victory after victory in our lives. And the times that we don't see, let's say, this victory, we go to Him and be, be like, well, what what happened? Where's the breach in our wall? Or where's things that I know that we need to um, change the way we think and, and repent? Um, those are some things that I know rebuilding the walls is so important because yeah, you can, you can, uh, do this Christian walk, but if your walls are down, the enemy is going to take you out and the enemy knows exactly where these holes in the walls are. So that's why we need to ask the Lord, Lord, where are my walls down? You know, where are Mm -hmm. they down and where can I help uh, and help me build them back up so that, that I can be a strong tower for you. So I can be a strong fortress for you. So that that I can be protected in you in, in the beloved, and uh, and it's just that's that's really where uh, I know this chapter um kind of took off, and it is the crucial most important thing because we filter everything from the Word of God. The Word of God is is living and it is active, um, and uh, it needs to be active in our lives, and it needs to we need to be m- like constantly turning our eyes to Him and, and constantly turning our attention to Him. And never letting our eye be double visions, our eye should be single on Him. And in that in that place, we're we're learning and growing in the Word. Um, so so He's building us up.
1: Mm. Yes, that's amazing. Thank you so much, and I I concur everything that you said. And I would also add that the broken walls is two-pronged, and you touched very, very well on the presence in our lives of sin, or you could just say the presence of bad. That is a cause for a broken wall. Another cause for the broken wall is the absence of good in our lives, and that's the good is the warfare. It is the actual going to war and defeating the enemy, and that's really what this book is all about. And it requires a renewed mind because this isn't something, again, I'm talking from my personal experience. Some listeners out there might say, well, that's not true because it wasn't your personal experience. So I recognize that. But this idea of spiritual warfare, of going to battle against the demonic and the enemies, the spiritual enemies of God's people. This is also a piece of the equation. It's getting the bad out of our lives, that which doesn't line up with the image of Christ, but it's also the presence of an active war against the enemy that will be outlined as the book progresses. My caution to anyone listening that is not Familiar with spiritual warfare, or if you have grown up with a belief that this is not for the believer today, if you've grown up with the belief that even you know the angel Michael said the Lord rebuked you that he would not even the archangel would rebuke Satan, therefore we should not be doing that. Then you're disregarding the scriptures that will be outlined through the remainder of this book that causes calls God's people to expel the enemy from the land. And if we do not do this, we will continue to suffer defeat. I myself lived a life I just tried to be just as a good a Christian as I could. Everything that the scriptures told me to do, I did. Everything they told me not to do, I didn't do, except spiritual warfare. And my testimony is that I was under defeat in spite of the fact that I was walking in obedience and everything I knew. I was suffering from anxiety, I was suffering from depression. Uh, My family was filled with contention and strife. And when God showed me warfare and I began to operate, as will be outlined as we go through this book, my life became filled with peace. And it became a place of rest because I was actively expelling through warfare. It required me to renew my mind, to change my way of thinking, I had to go to the Lord, and I had to say, Lord, my mind is a dry erase board. I'm going to erase everything that I've been taught, everything that I've observed, and everything that I've experienced, and I'm going to go to your word and your word alone. And everything that was true, you can rewrite that on my dry erase board. And everything that was false, just keep it off. And that's what allowed me to step out of my limited understanding that did not instruct me in my identity in Christ nor my authority in Christ nor uh, um, nor my ability nor call to go to war against the enemy that brought me to this place of victory. If we do not allow our minds to be renewed to the truths of God's word, it doesn't matter how obedient we're going to be, that portion of our protection will be missing. It won't be the presence of a breach in our wall. It will be the absence of an entire section of it. So that is what the beginning chapter of the beginning section of the beginning of this book is trying to communicate that there is a spiritual battle that will finish what obedience will start to bring in peace in our camp to take territory from the enemy, to expand the kingdom of God, that we're living in the very middle of the kingdom of God where there is no no molestation from the presence of our enemies because we ourselves have established that in obedience, in obedience to the word of God because he calls us to do this. And if we don't believe it, then we are walking in pride because we're elevating our opinion over the word of God. And then we're going to walk in our opinion. And there's a judgment for that. The judgment is that when you remove from your life that which God has placed there for protection, you lose the protection. It's not even so much a judgment, really, as a natural consequence. It says in Isaiah 58:12, and I read this earlier, And those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins, you will raise up the age-old foundations. Two things to note. Not all believers will do this. It will be those from among you. There will be a select group that will be taken out, those who hear the call and respond to it. It's a given, according to this verse, that the ancient ruins need rebuilt and that the age-old foundations need to be raised up again. Ezekiel 36:33. I will cause the waste places to be rebuilt and the ruined cities and fortified cities to be inhabited. Physical picture, spiritual truth. God himself is going to cause this. We can ask ourselves, do we want to be a part of this project or not? God's going to do it with or without you. Isaiah 61, 4, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. The reason these, these foundations are ruined, because many generations of believers have left them desolate. These are scriptures and these are teachings that for generation after generation have not been taught in the church. They have been lost in the annals of time. And they're in the darkened past of history, and no one knows about them. But the word of God has preserved them. And finally, Amos 9 11, I will raise up the breaches and raise up its ruins in that day. That's why this book is written, because we are in that day. The books are being opened, and these things are beginning to happen for one reason. It is the day of the Lord, and God is there, and God is doing a work. And the reason that this book is put out is because the call is going out to God's people. Are you going to be numbered among those who respond to the call? Everyone's got a choice. Will you be numbered among those who go to the Lord in a place of intimacy in the oracle because you love him? And in your heart and your mind, he's worth it. And, in so doing, you receive the oracle of God. you receive the understanding of God, and you begin to walk in the purposes of God, which is to expand His kingdom, take territory from the enemy, and to walk in dominion over your enemies, and by reason of this, bear the definition overcomer.
0: wow, that was that was awesome. Um And I can't agree with you more. Uh, and I know that you know Jesus came to destroy the works. Of the devil and he has called us to do the same because that's exactly what his disciples were doing you know and that's why people when they saw jesus they saw one who had authority and that authority was given to him by his father you know And now we have that same father and we are not only to build up our own walls but we're also there to destroy those walls that the enemy has up and those strongholds that he has up in our lives and in other people's lives and that's why the truth yeah. truly sets people free. And that's free from a lot of things. That freedom is a freedom from a lot of things that that I know I've seen in in my walk with the Lord, where it, it's just like the miraculous things happening and people getting free from, you know, like addiction and like specifically addiction from um like hard narcotics, like that you should not be just completely cold turkey in one day you know, a completely delivered from that, you know, completely delivered from back pain, from arthritis, from Parkinson's, from being in a wheelchair, from being, not being able to see, like you're literally going blind and people cannot hear. And I'm, you're seeing uh, those people being set free. Um, and that's what we've been called to do. But we need to start with the foundation, which is what you said, which is what this first chapter is about. Uh, and it's building up the walls. Because if you go out there and you start trying to do these things, um, and you, let's say, do it outside before you've been prepared, you know, I mean, these are things that uh, wouldn't be, it's not going to go well for you. I know in my personal life, I started getting taken out and I'm like, okay now, but the Lord was then revealing to me where my holes in my walls were and how I need to be building those up uh, and then then going out. Um, and it's just all that, that, that learning curve, that whole preparation uh, that goes along with it. Um, and all that preparation is, is being at the feet of Jesus and knowing who he is and knowing who, and then when you know who he is, you know who you are. Uh, the one thing I, I will say before we uh, we end the show is the fact that um, uh, you hear it time and time again. It talks about, you know, oh, well, I put Jesus first. I put family second. I put this third. But Jesus is my number one. And I say that's False. That is absolutely false. That is a lie. And a lot of people are kind of upset when I say this. And it's just like, because Jesus cannot be your everything if he's not your only. He needs to be your only. He is number one, number two, number three, number four. He, he is everything to you. And out of that place of everything, you start seeing victory in other areas of your life you know, like for instance, I'll give you the uh, marriage. A lot of people, this whole like languages thing, uh, how, oh, how I'm loved by you. That is a lie. Okay. That is an absolute lie. The book flies around and everyone talks about it. It's like, how can you fulfill my needs? Well, you should already be fulfilled in Jesus. That's where you look for your fulfillment all the time. That's, you don't look to your spouse. You don't look to your kids you don't look to other things in this world because what then you've done is you've created an idol in your life that is a part of the wall that has been broken down where the enemy will get to because if the enemy now gets to your wife it's going to get to you and that is not walking in obedience and that's why we are to not love our lives i mean we're completely to deny ourselves and we've empty ourselves to be filled with him in his presence and then we take that and that is where this whole idea of rebuilding the walls is so important because there's a lot of people out there um, that have set these strongholds up in their life that need to get taken down and and then the walls need to get rebuilt and that's what nehemiah did um, and that's why it's so important when you're you're going through isaiah um, that uh, what's mentioned there uh, which was awesome uh, that's what needs to be done and uh, with that being said um We are out of time for this one, and thank you so much, Debbie, for joining us. I look forward to Chapter 2, which is the Kingdom of God. I really look forward to that one, which is next up.
1: Thank you, Adam. I do too. So have a great day.
0: Yes, you also. Mm